Something I wanted to do this morning before we jump into the message is I wanted us to do a spiritual act here. It's a biblical act. It's spiritual. One of the things I felt like the Lord told me uh, going into this year, and he wants me to remind us, is that we as a church, we are not victims. You are not a victim. We are not victims of society. We are not victims of a political agenda. We are not victims of the devil. We should not be saying, woe is me. Things are just happening to me. The Bible says that God causes all things to work together for your good. And so you're no longer a victim. So could you stand with me? We're going to do this together. We're going to put on our spiritual armor this morning. The victim mentality, I just feel like the Lord really wants to drive that out of our community, that things don't happen to us, things happen for us. We're not victims, but we're vessels for the Lord. He's forming us, he's shaping us, he's molding us. So everything that happens, his hand is on you and pressing you and forming you and molding you. So you're not a victim. Okay, say it with me. I am not a victim. I am a vessel. So let's put on our spiritual armor together this morning as a church. So, Father, we come to you in prayer, and your word says to put on the whole armor of God. And then it goes on to say, therefore, take up the whole armor of God. So this morning, Father, we take up the whole armor of God. We take up the helmet of salvation, and we place it upon our minds in Jesus' name. And, Father, we take up the breastplate of righteousness, and we are clothed in the very righteousness of Jesus in his name. And, Father, we put around our waist the belt of truth. God, we buckle our clothes together with the belt of truth. God, we know the truth, and that is Jesus. And, Lord, we put upon our feet the shoes fitted with the readiness of the gospel God, we will carry the message of the grace and the peace of God through the gospel to the world around us. We put those things on our feet this morning, Lord. And, Father, we take up the shield of faith that's able to deflect, that's able to defer the fiery, the flaming darts of the devil. We are not victims, God. You gave us this armor to defend ourselves. So we defend ourselves with the shield. And, Father, we unsheath our sword this morning, the sword of the Holy Spirit, which is the word of God. And, God, we will declare your word. We will speak your word. We will do what your word says. And, God, I thank you that this church, this community will be a church that is armed and ready. God, I pray this church would be dangerous. God, we wouldn't be a safe place, a cool place, a fun little place. God, make us dangerous in the spiritual realm. God, let us go forth and do mighty acts and mighty demonstrations and mighty exploits for your kingdom in Jesus' name. Lord, we are not victims. We are vessels. We are victors in Christ. So, Father, release your your spirit, release your presence over your sons and daughters in this room in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Sit down. You can be seated. Sit down. Sit down. All right, if this is an army, if we're an army, we got to take some orders, right? <laughs> Help me, Lord. 
You can open up to Ephesians 2. <clears throat> As you go there, uh, my wife and I had an awesome trip. We went up to uh, Muncie, Indiana, where I'm from. And we actually had a white Christmas. It was snowing Christmas morning. The, the, my, my mom has a big window in the living room, and so the snow's coming down. We're opening up gifts, and it was beautiful. It was uh, one day, it was like 14 degrees out. So praise God, I do not live in that kind of weather anymore. Did anyone experience under 14 degree weather? Anyone? What was it? What'd you get? Okay. What about this year? Anyone under 14? Not this year? I got the worst? We got the worst, boo. Nine? Man. The way I would describe the cold when it's, when it's that cold, it's, like it's just dead cold. doesn't feel good at all. But anyways, we had a really good time, enjoyed that, and enjoyed New Year's. We were in bed by, I think, 10 o'clock. And so, um, yeah, when you have kids, they wake up early. They get up early whether you go to bed early or not. So we're not taking any chances. <laughs> all right, this morning I want to share a message. This is, this is going to be... Our commitment for 2021, okay? And so I know we're making New Year's resolutions. We're getting our agenda ready for this year and, and crossing things out and adding things in. But I hope you have room for one more thing. Do you have room? Okay, some of you are hesitant because you don't know what I'm asking you to make room for. But here's what uh, the title of my message is, and we'll get into what we're making room for the title this morning is Preparing God's Dwelling Place. This is what we are committing to moving forward. This isn't something new. is isn't something that you don't know about. We know this. So some of these things I say this morning, it's, it's a way of reminding you, but also buying in commitment to do this, okay? I know commitment may be a cuss word to some, but I believe in commitment, I believe in discipline, I, be, I believe in steadfastness, all of those things. And so we're going to go for it. So Ephesians 2, I want to bring out the, the first point here is what does God want? You've been hearing that here recently, what does God want? Because we want to give him what he wants. And that's what we are endeavoring to do as a spiritual family. Ephesians 2 pulls out this thing of what does God want. Look at Ephesians 2, verse 19. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. And having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. What does God want according to Ephesians 2, verses 19 through 22? This verse is saying we're being built together, we're being built on top of one another, we're being built beside each other, we're being fitted together, we're being molded together, we're, we're growing together for one thing. Did you see it in verse 22? For a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. One translation says for a permanent dwelling place. For God in the Spirit. So we are committing to 
become a permanent dwelling place for God in the Spirit? Are you committing to that? If you are, can you go like this? We are committing to doing whatever it takes to be a place where God can come and dwell. You know, David says something interesting. He says in the Psalms, he says, One thing I have desired of the Lord, that which I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. That's Old Testament. New Testament, God has one thing he desires. And he has one thing that he is seeking, and it's what David said. But he's saying, I want to come and dwell in your house. I want to come and dwell with you. It's cute. It's nice that you want to come be with me, but I actually want to get into your space a little bit more. And so in covenant community, that's primary. That's essential. That's the only thing our eyes should be looking toward right now is God come and dwell. That's what you want, and we want to give it to you. And so I know we're aware of that, so I I can be sounding redundant, but I'm just going to go for it here. In our vision statement, here's what we say. I have a dream that we would be a people who actually become the habitation of God, where our pursuit would not be so much to have a visitation or revival, but that God would find in our community a resting place where he can permanently and powerfully dwell with us, that we would constantly host his presence and nearness. A brother named Vernon McGee says, The purpose of the church as a temple is to reveal the presence of and the glory of God on the earth. When believers assemble together, the impression should be made upon the world that God is in his holy temple. The world should feel that God can be found in his church. My question is, can he? Perhaps more people would be attracted to the church if they were sure that God's presence was there. And so when we gather, that's our goal. That's our focus. And so even when we come together for worship, as Derek had mentioned a couple of, uh, last week when he was preaching, we're not coming to experience their worship. So if it's awkward and you're thinking, man, they're doing a great job, but I don't know if the Lord is here. Well, maybe because you do have something to do with that. Your participation is required. We are going to require your participation, just going to put it out there. We're going to require you to put in your supply. We're going to require you to do something for the Lord. So if you don't like that, then, I don't know, uh, just church down the road, I don't know, something like that. We want you to be a part of this community, but we are going to put a requirement upon you because the Lord does that. It would, I would not be a faithful servant of the Lord if I did not do this. So for 2021, as a covenant community, we are committing to building a resting place where God can permanently and powerfully dwell with us. Okay, question for you. Who does the building? If we're going to build God a place, who does the building? Who? Say a little louder if you know. Us. We. Right? Right? Did anyone say the elders or the leaders? Okay, you and me, we actually partner together. Go to Ephesians 4, just a couple chapters over. I want us to read this once again. I know we know this, but we're going back to the basics here. If we're going to commit something early on in this year, I want it to be very simple. I don't want you to question what are we doing, what's happening. Here it is. It's the Word of God. Ephesians 4, verse 11. He says that he gave some... 
to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers for the equipping or the perfecting of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying or the building up of the body of Christ. How long do we do that? Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Why are we doing this? That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But we're speaking the truth in love, and we may grow up into all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So who does the building? The saints. Leadership is called to equip you. You're called to do the building. And so with the new year, we're not going to, p- to play the blame game and say, oh, the leaders aren't equipping us. And we're not going to say, oh, you're not doing the work. Okay, or can we forgive each other right now? Clean slate. Okay, we're going to do our best to equip. You're going to do your best to build. Amen? One of the things in our culture that we have to fight against if we're going to do this, it's the laity clergy idea. The secular sacred. I'm doing the sacred work. You're doing the secular work. You work out in the world. You're in the secular world. That's your job. That's what you're going to build up. And here I am. I'm being paid here. Us elders and the staff, we're here to do all the work. Okay, that's one of the, one of the things that's in the culture in the American church is that we're here and we do everything and then you guys come and you just kind of hang out and you get to enjoy the service. You get to just spectate all of those things. Well, we're, we need to resist that. Are you going to commit to resisting that this year? So if I call you and I say, hey, I need you to come and help minister and do this or do that, what are you going to say? Yes, sir. There we go. We're in the army, right? This, do we have to, I'm not trying to be mean here, but do we have to babysit and be super, super overly nice? Or can we be, actually be an army and give some orders? I mean, I have a sports background, so I'm totally fine if someone just tells me what to do and they don't say please and, they don't, and I don't have to say thank you. I'm not saying have bad manners, but I just, I get it. Coach says do something, you just do it. I'm not offended. I'm not hurt. I didn't, he didn't say it nicely. It's okay. But that's just me. You may be a little different. That's okay. We will grow in love. We'll ask nicely, okay? Stacy's raising her hand. We'll ask nicely. We'll be polite. We'll do all of those things. But there's just something about we are the Lord's army. We are his army. We're in a fight. We're in a battle. Sometimes if someone doesn't say something nice to you, it's okay. We will still live. We will move on from that. Okay, so you do the building. I do the building. We do the building. So here's the thing. If we're going to commit to building God a place where he can dwell, what does that look like? What are we actually going to do? We could probably get 100 different, however many people in here, 200, whatever, 
many ideas about what God wants and what does it look like, what are we going to build. But here's what I want us to do. I want us to look at the early church. I want us to look at the book of Acts, and let's see how they built the house of God. Go with me to Acts 2. How did the early church build God a place where he could dwell? What did they, what did they do? Because we want to do the very same thing. Now, if you're part of the Bible reading plan, you probably read this yesterday. Did you do it? Okay. So you should already know the answer. Look at verse 40. Acts 2.40. And with many other words, Peter testified and exhorted the people, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. Do you see the four things they committed to? It says they continued steadfastly. Some translation says they devoted themselves to this. Teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. So these are the four key ingredients to building a place where God would come and want to dwell. Do you agree? Do you want to build it any other way? Are you sure? Because if we get some ideas from you and it's not here, then we're going to say, great idea, but we're going to build God's church the way he wants us to build it. So are we committing to that this morning? We are. Okay. That's good. I like to hear your voice. It's okay to say yes. okay to say amen in church. Okay, the first thing. So doctrine. I'm going to hit uh, all of these briefly, but I'm really going to focus in on one of them because we're trying to really focus on that specifically earlier on this year. But the first one here, doctrine and teaching. Okay, Paul tells Timothy that the church is the pillar and ground or the support of the truth. In other words, you are the support, you're the pillar of truth. Right? He says the church is. He didn't say just the leadership or the elders. He said the church. Is that you? Okay, so you are a support, you're a pillar of the truth. One of the things that and it probably works best that I go after this so hard as a, because I'm a millennial, but this issue of social media and how much time we spend on social media, personally, it's like driving my heart crazy. I get it. We use it for outreach. We use it for this and that. Praise God. Do that. But if we're spending more time on social media than we are in the Word of God, I just won't buy it. I love you, I bless you, but I'm just not going to buy it. You can say, hey, Dave Barry are old school, so, you know, whatever, they don't get it. Well, guess what? I'm younger. I get it. I get social media. But if we're spending two hours a day on social media, four hours a day on videos and YouTube and all of those things, and yet we're not spending time in the Word of God, that's not going to work. That's probably why you're not able to put in any supply. Because you don't know what to do or what to say because you don't have the word in your life. We're going to build with the word of God. You know, John Piper says something that really rubbed me wrong. He was giving his 
uh, take on the charismatic movement, and he was doing it with a lot of humility. He wasn't being prideful, wasn't just trying to bash the charismatic movement. But he says that there's this idea in the charismatic movement, and he sees it, that if you preach too much of the word, you tend to quench the Holy Spirit. Because the, the word tends to bring order and structure, stability, consistency, discipline, all those words that we don't really like, and we would just rather be free in the spirit. Are you tracking with me? And he said that, and it rubs me wrong because I'm like, you know what? He's true. He's right. There's something in our hearts to where if we get too sucked into the word and all we read is the word, then we have no spiritual life. We have no life in the spirit. And if that's in you, and I had to check my heart, and I'll be honest with you, a piece of that was in me. And I repented. And I said, Lord, if you're going to do anything at all, if you're going to move in any kind of way, then it's going to be here. Because the Holy Spirit loves the Word of God. He loves the Word of God. When you pick up your Word and begin to read it, the Holy Spirit is so happy. He rejoices. He loves that moment. He's hovering over you. He's watching you. He's opening up your eyes to see the word. But you have to pick it up. And don't wait till you have the feel goods. Don't wait till you get a feeling. Okay, I'm a, I'm a millennial. I get it. I love the feelings. But if you're going to wait for that, you will probably read the word about twice a week. Honestly. And the thing about a Bible reading plan is that it actually exposes how much you don't read the Word. It does. You wake up each day and you're like, oh, gosh, i got to get in the Word. I mean, you don't say that because you guys are holy. I'm not, you know. Is there anyone else that's like, man, this, this daily reading the Word is kind of like, help me, Lord. But that's good for you. The Holy Spirit is working you. He's actually exposing your rebellion, your pride. I don't need the word. I'm good. I just want to be free. No, no, no. If you being free takes you away from this, I don't want your freedom. I'm most free when I'm in this thing right here. And, you know, they came out with some studies in 2020, one of the things they found out in the Christian community is that the Bible, people read less of the Bible during COVID. Bible reading actually went down during COVID. And one of the reasons they said was because people couldn't go to church. So you're telling me in order for you to read the Bible, you have to come here every Sunday. Really? No, it's a personal relationship, okay? It's personal. So get your word. If you want to jump in the Bible reading plan, you can still jump in. But we're going to be a community where we build according to the word. And you need the word of God if you want to come help us build. Amen? Okay, the second thing they pointed out was fellowship. We're going to skip that for a moment. I just want to make some comments on the breaking of bread and prayer. I'm not going to get 
teachy-preachy right here on these things, but the breaking of bread. So what are we doing on Wednesday nights? Breaking bread. When we meet at the deacons' couples' houses or specific house, we're going to have communion. We're going to share uh, fellowship and prayer together. When we go out and about, get a meal. Grab someone. Go to your favorite restaurant. Okay, my wife and I, our birthday is coming up. Uh, Texas Cattle Company is great because if you buy a meal, I'll get mine free. So, <clears throat> but that's what we're going after, breaking of bread. So we're making room for that, okay? Wednesday nights, we want to encourage you. If you want to be a part of building the body of Christ and building a place where God can come and dwell, you actually need to meet with some people and hang out with them. That's not too bad, is it? Is that asking too much for you to be a human being? In other words, go eat some food. That's okay. <clears throat> the one thing, the other thing they mentioned in Acts 2 was prayer. Okay, I'm just going to hit a couple things. One of the things we want to go after is the last Friday of each month, we want to open up the sanctuary and begin to pray. We want to cultivate a, a, a praying church, okay? We can have a house of prayer, but we can still not pray. We want to be a praying church, a church that prays. We pray when we meet together. We pray at home. We pray all around. So one of the things we're going to do is a Friday night, we're going to open up the building for prayer. The house of prayer will still have their hours. We're going to continue to do prayer circles on Sunday mornings as we get together. On Thursday mornings at 8.30, the elders and the staff, we get together for prayer. We're inviting you to come if you can, if you're not working. But we're going to give ourselves to the place of prayer. We're going to do that. As I was praying before uh, the new year, one of the things that came out of my prayer life was that, Lord, I want to minister to you more than I minister to the people. And when I said that, honestly, it surprised me because I see how much I need to minister to the people. That the need and the draw is great. I want to pour into you. I want to be there for you. I want to devote my life to building up the body of Christ. I really do. I'm sold out to this. But then I realized, no, wait, Lord. They don't need me. They need you. And I need to minister to you. That is primary. So we're going to give ourselves to the place of prayer. <clears throat> okay, and here's where I want to spend most of our time this morning is the fellowship aspect of community. As we prepare a place for God to dwell, we are going to focus on cultivating love and deeper relationships because we are built on top of one another, built next to each other, we're closely fitted together, and we're growing together. In other words, if we're saying we're going to build a place where God can come and dwell, but I don't like you, that doesn't work, right? If we're going to be fitted together, that means I need to be involved in your life, and you need to be involved in my life. And so this whole thing of like, yeah, I don't like you, but I love you. Okay, would Jesus say those things? No, he wouldn't. So we're committing to going after deeper relationships, learning how to love, maturing in love. I learned how immature my love was when I bought my wife flowers. There was a time where I bought her some flowers, and I thought she was going to be like, great husband, awesome, great. So I, I went to the store, I bought her some, and, you know, trying to do a sneak attack, you know, husbands, trying to do our thing. And I brought her these flowers, and uh, 
she was like, oh, thank you. Like, she, she was, like, nice about it. She's like, oh, thank you. And I could tell, like, well, what? You look a little indifferent. And she's like, I don't really like these kind of flowers. And I know it makes her sound, it makes her sound bougie. She's, she's not that bougie. But here's, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. It wasn't that she's being high maintenance and she's being bougie. It was actually my immature love. I didn't even know what kind of flowers she liked. So here's what I did. I went to the store and bought her the flowers I thought she would like. Instead of me buying the flowers that I know she likes. It's very subtle. But I'm thinking, you know what? I think she'll like these flowers. No, no, wait, wait. Will she like these flowers? No, she won't. She doesn't like those. So in our relationships, we do that. I'll do something for you because I think you'll like it versus let me do something for you because I know you'll actually like it. That's called maturing in love. That's mature love. That's real. That's deep. And I appreciate, you know, we, I know and we all should. We all appreciate the kind gestures where someone's really trying. So don't, you know, don't tell them that's the worst gift ever. You don't like that. Just accept it, you know, receive it. But as we're growing and maturing in our love, we need to realize sometimes our love is really, really immature. It was, it's actually a, a kind of selfish. You know, here's what uh, John, the gospel and the, and the, um, the disciple John the apostle, he makes a very unique connection between loving people and loving God. And so if you're in the room and you're saying, hey, like, I just want to come to church and just be a part of a service and I don't want any kind of requirements placed on me. John the Beloved will probably say and even ask you the question, do you even know the Lord? Listen to some of these verses. This is in 1 John. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? He who does not love does not know God. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must also love his brother. So it doesn't make sense to say, I'm just going to love God all on my own, period. No connection, no relationship with other people. That doesn't work in the kingdom. That's illegal in the kingdom. To have dislike, to have anger, to have hatred in your heart towards a brother or sister in the Lord, that's illegal in the kingdom. Okay, You should not be right with God if that's in your life. That's not acceptable to the Lord. John would even say, you're probably, you just opened up the door to darkness when you do that. You're not walking in the light. And so this morning, I want to call us out of relationship to love one another. And I, want, I, want, I pray 
And I want to see that it's mature. And I'm calling myself out too. My, mature, my, my love for you needs to be mature love. So the, one of the goals in our fellowship, turn to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. One of the goals in our, in our fellowship with one another, Paul uses this phrase. I think this is the highest point of covenant community. First Corinthians 1, chapter 10. He says, Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together. Everyone say, perfectly joined together. In the same mind and in the same judgment. So he's calling these believers in Corinth where there's a lot of division. And he's telling them, I'm praying this one thing. And I'm asking the Lord to help you to do this. But that you would actually be perfectly joined together. Not just hanging out or I know you a little bit, you know me a little bit. And I kind of like you, you kind of like me. We kind of click a little bit. He's saying perfectly Join together. And he's talking about a lot of people. He's not just talking to the marriage, you know, the married people. Be perfectly joined to your spouse. He's saying all the people in your community that you know, my prayer is that you guys would all be fitted, joined, closely knitted together. So what does that look like? It looks like a lot of different things. I'm going to read off some things of what this actually looks like. It looks like that we all have a, have, the like, have a like mind and speak the same thing, that there are no divisions or quarrels among us, there's no envy or strife, strife or gossip, there's no boasting or pride or arrogance, every joint supplies and does their share. We do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. We all esteem others better than ourselves and look out for the interests of others first. We all love and have the same care for each other, etc., etc. You could probably add 50 more to that list. But here's the thing. Here's how we are going to get to a place where we're perfectly joined together. There's one key ingredient that I want to put out there before us. And here's the ingredient. Humility. If we want to be perfectly joined together, then it's going to require you and me to grow in our humility. If you don't want to grow in humility, we're not going to be perfectly joined together it's going to be a fight. Pride is going to be the number one issue in a community that's trying to be fitted together. You're right, I'm wrong, you did this, you said that, etc., etc. Humility is key. In covenant community, someone, whether intentionally or unintentionally, will say something offensive to you. Someone will make you feel left out. Someone will forget your name. Someone will walk right past you. Someone will do something to give you a reason to become a victim and get angry. But a humble heart who has forsaken their pride will overlook the offense 
and desire to remain perfectly joined together. Here's the thing. If you don't believe that this is possible, then consider him. Consider Jesus. Here's what Isaiah 53 says. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. So you, I'm, I know, and, and this is going to happen. You are going to have plenty of reasons to be offended, to look at so-and-so. They looked at me bad or they didn't say hi. You're going to have plenty of reasons to be offended and carry unforgiveness. You really will. And I'm not trying to diminish that and say you're not heard. That wasn't a real thing. But I, what I am trying to say is consider him. He was oppressed. He was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. It says, he was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. And the passage goes on to say, and yet he bore the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressor. So instead of turning turning in on pride and getting angry at someone, how about you begin to intercede for them? Close your mouth in humility. Yes, they hurt you. Yes, they offended you for whatever reason. That's besides the point. Consider him. No one was more, no one had a greater opportunity to be offended than Jesus. So if we build by way of cultivating love and deeper relationships, we will become more perfectly fitted together and just maybe God will have found a permanent place to come and dwell powerfully. And go back to Acts 2. Let's read the rest of this passage here. Verse 43, so the people gave themselves to teaching, to doctrine, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and prayer. Verse 43, Acts 2, then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. So when God really begins to move, one of the signs when, we, when God begins to move in our community that we're going to see happen is verse 45. Sorry, verse 46, is that people actually invite each other over to their house. Didn't it say it in your verse? They continued daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. They didn't have to wait for the apostles' permission. They didn't have to wait till the church had some program and, you know, connecting everyone together. People naturally wanted to open up their house. There was a spirit of hospitality that broke out in the community because God was moving. 
It wasn't that we call more meetings to come to the church and we're here seven nights a week. It's actually you're calling meetings at your house to get together with people. That's what covenant community looks like. And if you're saying, man, I haven't got invited to one of the elders' houses or one of the leadership team's houses, hey, maybe you're getting invited to everyone else's house. That is fine. That's okay. Praise the Lord. He's moving. You're seen. You're not forgotten. It's not intentional. My wife and I would love to have everyone at our home. But guess what? It's probably not going to happen. It'll take some years if we go person by person. But if you come and pursue my wife and I, and I know it's the same for Dave and Julie and Baron Ann, but if you come and pursue us, we'll do it back to you. But if you're going to wait and wait and wait, it may take some time. Right? You're doing your part of building up the body. We're doing our part of building up the body. But I love this. I love verse 46. God is moving. Revival's breaking out. 3,000 people were just saved. And what do they do? Let's open up our home. It wasn't that 3,000 people had to get in line and wait to meet with the leader and then go from there. It's that the body actually did the work, built each other up, encouraged each other, made phone calls, text messages, did all of these things to connect with each other. And it was natural. There's nothing better in in a community when things are natural. That's one of the reasons why we're not just going to come up with all of these programs to do stuff because it's not natural. It's forced. And if it's forced, the breath of God is probably not in it. And we're not saying we're not going to do any kind of program or whatever, but it's just so much easier when it's already in your heart to do it. And when we speak these words, it's just confirming what you already wanted to do. I didn't have to twist your arm, force you, guilt you, make you feel bad. No, my prayer is that this would already be in your heart to do, that you would do it. So one of the reasons I really, I really believe we're going in this direction and really hitting covenant community hard I mean, outwardly, you see the direction the world is going in where they're doing social distancing. It's, our culture won't be the same after COVID. People are going to look at you weird, don't touch me, stay away from me. It's the, our culture is going to be different. But we're going to go in this direction. And one of the things that I see in Scripture that has caught my attention on the importance of this, of relationships with each other, is found in 2 Peter. You don't have to go there, but you can just write this down. It's in 2 Peter. Peter gives his commentary on the story of Lot, of Sodom and Gomorrah. And here's what he says. 2 Peter, this is verses 7 through 8. And he says, And God delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. For that righteous man, dwelling among them, tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. What is he saying? He's saying Lot and his family had no friends. They had no covenant relationships. They had, it was just them, him and his family. And it says that they were oppressed 
and they were tormented. So if you are in a season of your life where you are oppressed and you are tormented, I want you to think about how much time are you spending in loneliness? That's probably the issue. There's a proverb that says, He who separates himself seeks his own desires and rages against all sound counsel. So in the days ahead, if you think you can do it all by yourself, you're deceived. It does not, that is not New Testament Christianity. You cannot do it by yourself. You will have weak, depressing moments in your life. It, it's, we're human. It's life. It happens. It's not because, the, you know, yeah, the devil could be after you or whatnot, but most of it, it's just you're isolated. So if you want to break free from oppression and torment, this morning, can I invite you into covenant relationships with the body of Christ? Will you just come on in? We won't bite. We won't hurt you. I get you probably have some junk in the trunk. That's okay. We do too. When you come to us, we're going to try to help you and not hurt you. We want to see this body whole, healthy, healed, mature, and flourishing. But as long as you are deciding in your heart to remain isolated and just sit back with your arms crossed and say, no one's calling me, no one's pursuing me, you're going to remain oppressed. You're going to remain tormented. But the good news is covenant community. This is why, that's one of the reasons why I believe in what we're going after. This is why the book of Acts went after that. Times of shaking were ahead of them, and they gave themselves to teaching, to fellowship, to prayer, to breaking of bread. And that's the direction we're going at Heart of the Father. We're committed to building that kind of place because if we do that, guess what? God shows up. And he doesn't just show up through me or Dave or Barry. He actually shows up through you. And you lay your hands on the sick and they're healed. And you bless someone financially. You invite someone over for dinner. You give a prophetic word. You give a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge. You actually do it. And I'm giving you permission. The start of 2021, I'm giving you permission to be the body of Christ. You don't have to call us and, and wait for us to give you permission to have someone so over for dinner. Right now, you're free to do that. You're free to be the body. So here's what I want to do. I want us to close out in prayer circles this morning. And we're going to pray that the Lord would strengthen relationships in this body that he would stir our hearts for love and community, that he would even be so bold to stir up our hearts that we would actually open up our house to someone. And if your house is messy and, and not clean or whatever, hey, my wife and I, we have kids, we get it, we'll come over. <laughs> We're not picky. But let's stand, if the leaders can stand and raise their hand and spread out across the room. Let's begin to pray this morning just for five to ten minutes that God would stir our hearts for deeper relationships for love. Leaders, raise your hand so we can see where you're at. If, uh, if Isaac and Andrea, can you guys raise your hand, lead a group as well?
We'll need some help. Let's try to keep ten to a group. Keep your hands raised. Okay, I'll pray, and then once I'm finished, you can, the leader in your group will begin to pray. But Father, we come before you this morning in the name of Jesus, and God, we thank you for covenant community and covenant relationships, Lord. God, we thank you that you have made a way, Lord, for us to know each other and to be vulnerable, God, to be open, God, to be weak, God, to come with all of our issues and that, God, that we can have someone lay their hands on us and pray for us and be committed to us, Lord. God, I just pray that, heart of the Father, we would be a place where there's real love and there's real relationships, oh, Lord. God, would you break through fake and phony in our relationships, God, and help us get to a deeper place where we actually probe one another, we ask questions, we want to get messy, Lord, in relationships, oh, God. So, Lord, I just pray you would stir up love in this community, that you would stir us up to open up our homes, Lord, that you would stir us up, God, to speak the word to each other, to build up the body of Christ. Oh, Lord, would you come by the Holy Spirit and that we would live with simplicity and gladness of heart because we actually have real relationships with each other and a real relationship with you. God, would you do it this morning in Jesus' name? Amen.